4: I just
0: slipped so far. HopeNet Radio. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com.
1: Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to HopeNet Radio. Jeff, DW, Jason with you tonight here on the show. We're so glad that you've joined us here tonight with us, continuing our Love Is series. Guys, how you doing? Good. How are you today? I'm chipper. It's a new month. Chipper.
2: What's chipper? How old are you? What's chipper?
1: My grandpa maybe said it? I don't
2: know. You know what? There are funny sayings that old people say. You know, my mom used to always say, uh, I don't know why, she'd be doing something. And she'd go, well, got to go back to the salt mine. And I'd look at her and go, what in the world is a salt mine that you're going to? You know, no no idea. Totally out of context. Still don't know what she means. (laughs) And she's been dead for a long time. Oh, wow. There you go. But ask my kids. Every once in a while, they hear me say, well, got to go back to the salt mine. And they look at me the same way. It's like, don't ask. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm talking about here. <laughs>
4: oh, that's funny.
2: Yeah, it's funny to watch the kids uh, when they were growing up just look at grandma when she would say things. Because mm-hmm. she would say some things that were just, you know, that grandmas would say. And and they would just start laughing because it made no sense at all. You know, you know heavens to Betsy.
4: Who's Betsy? Yeah. I mean, that would be the first <laughs> question.
2: What, do you mean, what does it mean, heavens, to Betsy? And then what if you were named Betsy? I know. How I would you know. feel? I don't know. Weird. Weird sayings, man. Do you ever read the Bible and wonder if what you're reading is really what it says? Or if there's some some sayings like that in the Bible?
4: Definitely. You know, because you think it wasn't written in English. Right. And so we, have, even in English, we have a lot of what we call cultural idioms. Hmm. Yep. You know. What did you call me?
2: <laughs> it, that's right. It, I called you an idiom. <laughs> I, I'm not sure, but is that good or bad to be an idiom?
4: Uh, it's probably a, a, depending on the yeah, all right. Yeah, okay.
2: <laughs> Today, it's a good thing. All right. Yeah. What is an idiom?
4: An idiom. It's like a, a phrase or saying that means something to that culture. But not to another culture. But not to another culture.
2: Like if I said you were bad, you'd think that's good?
4: Yeah. I, that was sick.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and, and if they said that in Africa, they'd be getting a bag for you to throw up in. That's right, that's right. All right, got it.
4: So so you wonder, like, even in, as we read the Bible, if there were things that, that were common that they said that you don't necessarily get the feeling for as you read Scripture.
2: Yeah, I bet you there are. Also joining us in studio,
1: Mike Ott is back here on the show. Mike, welcome back. Oh, it's great to be back. So things have been going good for you. Are you excited for March?
3: Yeah, I'm pretty excited for March. There's a very special date on March 13th, which happens to be a Friday, is my birthday. I'll be turning 31. Giddy up. Yeah. Giddy up. Wow. Oh, wow. Happy birthday. It was funny. I think I turned 16 on Friday the 13th, too, and told everybody stay off the roads. <laughs> oh man, that's,
1: that
4: was. that's
3: like was
2: a that's long a long time ago.
1: Yeah, it's like a perfect perfect
2: birthday. Friday the 13th? That that's not a good that's not good timing. <laughs>
1: Good stuff. So connect with us also on the Tweetback. We're on Twitter. Use the hashtag HNRTB. Leave us your thoughts tonight. We're going to continue on in our Love Is series. Talking about Love Is Hopeful. And in 1 Corinthians 13, we get this whole gamut of what love really is, defining love, because today in our culture, we see a lot of different types of love. There are different interpretations of that word love, and it sometimes carries a lot of weight to it, and we want to define that a little bit more. So we've been taking some time over the last month or so, and so you can catch every single show that we've done on the podcast. We are on iTunes, we're on TuneIn Radio and the Stitcher Radio app. So go ahead, check those out, because love is a big topic especially in our day and age today, in our mindset, in our culture, it kind of carries some different connotations. And, uh, guys, I'm kind of curious your thoughts. When you talk to young people, what are some of those definitions? How do young people view that word love or interpret that word love?
2: I think we all look at things through this self-centered filter that we have in place. I mean, when two people get married and they love each other, I mean, if somebody says, I love you, what does that actually mean? I mean, does, does, does does that... when they say it, does that mean I have a uigui feeling when I talk to you or look at you, and I, you know, I stammer and stutter, and and you're beautiful, or what? What does it mean? The Bible, and it's really critical that you know, because the Bible tells us that we should love one another mm-hmm. and that we should love God. So if you're not sure, if it's foggy, and I really do think that that people think love is all about me, how I feel about a situation. So if my feelings change, then love changes, which is not really the definition mm-hmm. of the Bible.
4: I think oftentimes a lot of young people focus on the feeling of it. You know, it's, it's it's very quickly and you see in relationships, especially, you know, whether you're in high school or junior high, you know, for, for it's almost like for girls, it's a very significant thing when the guy drops the L word, mm. you know. But it, they ha- it happens so quickly now that it, it's almost lost yeah. its meaning and its context because it's just something that is thrown around to try to get the other person's affections
2: but, quicker. L- let me try and ask you something, though, Jason. What is the feeling? Uh, is it like the same feeling you get when you eat a pizza?
4: No, it's different. You know, it's almost <laughs> like the... That's more like a grumbling.
2: Uh, so so what, what, what is the feeling of love? That's what I want to figure out. Is it like hitting a quarterback when you tackle him? Is it like eating a good pizza? Is it anticipating a vacation in the Bahamas? I mean, what is yeah. the feeling we're talking about here?
4: That's a good question. I think it's like a scone. A scone. It's like having a scone. A delicious, tasty, homemade scone. And, and a
2: cup of coffee or something. You know, I mean, when, <laughs> it's really easy. It's interesting to hear us even talk about, okay, love is interpreted as a feeling, But when we try and grab what that feeling is, let's say, remember when you were in high school, maybe you saw some girl and you're wondering, huh, I wonder if I love her, you know, whatever it might be. What was the feeling? I mean, what was it?
4: It's hard to put into words, I guess. You know, you can't really say butterflies, you know. No. But
2: But what was it then? I mean, have you had that feeling with anything else like pizza? I mean, I know you love pizza. So when I I start talking pizza... Doesn't it give you like a, a calm, really cool, nice feeling?
4: And it makes me hungry.
2: Yeah, and, 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 and the thoughts are pleasant. Right? Yeah, that's true. So what's different about that than you're in high school and you're having those same kind of thoughts for some girl? I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. So pizza and like love are the same thing?
4: I guess, if you're just, <laughs> if you're just focusing on the feeling. Yeah, okay. You know, which is why I think love is more than just the feeling. Well, it
2: is. There's a definition there, and that's why we have to figure out the definition. That's right. that's not really, the, you know, if you can put, Loving your wife and loving a pizza in the same sentence. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to have a bad. Yeah, food. you're yeah. going yeah. to. Uh, uh, all there is to it, and that's why I think we need to keep talking and having this conversation because I think you know a lot of times we're just not willing to understand maybe that it is a little bit more complicated than we make it out to be, uh, and yet it is simpler than we make it out to be. In other words, I I have made it about feelings, but we've just discussed we have no idea what that means. Yeah. So what is it? And if it is simple, how do we get there? And how do we truly love people? because we were made to love Toby Mac's, you know iconic theological song, you were made to be loved by God. I mean, whatever what's the title of that song?
1: Made to love?
2: Yeah, made to love. I mean, I, he's right on that. I mean, go listen to the song He's he's very right on his song on what he says there, but we need to know what love is, or we're going to be messed up, royal.
1: yeah, that's very true. First Corinthians thirteen verse seven says that love never gives up. it never loses faith, it's always hopeful and it endures through every circumstance. So we're going to talk more about this on the show tonight, guys. This is such an important topic. Love, you know, it's not just a feeling. Sometimes we equate love with being something that's kind of in the moment, it's circumstantial. It's kind of based on if someone else loves me or cares about me or shows affection. And we kind of get it convoluted. We get it messed up because God's love, really God's love is different than our version of love. And I think that's important to talk about. We've talked about that on previous episodes. But this whole idea that love never gives up, it perseveres, it, it endures through every circumstance. This is something that it goes beyond what I think today's version of love looks like. We, we look at it as it's a lot of temporal stuff. Um, I don't know if you've talked to people who have, have come to you and said, you know what, I just don't feel like I'm in love anymore. People who have yep. been either dating for a long time or in a marriage relationship and they just say, you know what, I don't I don't think I'm in love anymore. Yeah. You know, and What does that even mean? That's such a weird way of saying it. But, I mean, I've maybe yeah. felt some of those things before, like you don't feel in love all the time. But what in the world does that mean?
2: Yeah, I, I feel that way about soda pop. I don't drink that anymore. I used to love it. And I don't anymore. I mean, it, it, that's how weird that word is r- yeah. right there. I mean, you can throw it around. You know, it's interesting. You said something else there, Jeff. In, in, in relationships, you know, we, we love, but we love differently. Like you love a parent, you love God, you love your spouse, you love your friend. Those are all different. I, they're the same basic idea, but they're different. And and what I hope we can do throughout the, the segments in, in today's program is, is kind of sort this out in the area of, like, hope. When you, When you said love never gives up never loses faith, is always hopeful. I think people would hear that and go, well, that means it's always hopeful that maybe it might possibly work out. But that's not what that word is, and I think we need to discuss that more.
1: Yeah, connect with a live coach right now at Hopenet360.com if you're going through something tonight, and you just need someone to talk to about life, some difficulties. Maybe you've been feeling unloved. There's a live coach right now at Hopenet360.com. The conversation will continue here on Hopenet Radio.
0: Are you hurting, stressed out, need somebody to talk to? Chat with a live spiritual coach anytime at Hopenet360.com. This is Hopenet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com.
1: Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back here on the show. Chat with a live coach at Hopenet360.com if you're going through something. Jeff, DW, Jason, and Mike here on the show with you guys tonight. And uh, guys, we're talking about love is. The last month we've been talking about what love really is. And in 1 Corinthians 13, 7, it says, Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. This is goes contrary to a lot of the versions of love that we see in our culture today. We see it in Hollywood much differently. We see it uh, among people that we even know in our own lives that at some point we don't always feel in love. We don't always think that we're in love or that we can love somebody after they've hurt us. And this love doesn't necessarily mean in like a dating relationship, but even as a friend, someone who stabbed you in the back, someone who has said something that has totally betrayed your trust, and we're not even sure that we can actually love that person again, care about that person again because they've hurt us so bad. This version of love, to never give up, to never lose faith, uh, that takes a little bit more boldness and a little bit more courage uh, from us and a different kind of love than we know naturally, I think.
2: Yeah, you know, hope has uh, dude, its interesting how many people's lives are dashed because they put hope in something that wasn't worthy of hope, if you want to put it that way. Even the way we use the word hope is, is interesting. You know the Bible's very clear that, that as, as we understand what God's saying is, love is something, and in this chapter it's describing really what it is, but you can't go the reverse and say, "If I do these things, I have it." It's like a one-way valve. You guys ever put a check valve in? It's no. a one-way valve. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of times in, a, in, a, in water, if you're, uh, if you're working in a, if you're a plumber, you're working in a, in a place where you're downstairs and there's a bathroom down there and people flush the toilet, the water actually has to go out of pipe and it has to go out into the sewage pipe. And it, they have little what they call check valves in there. And what that does is it allows the water in the, in the sewage to go one direction, and then it closes and won't let it go the other.
4: Hmm.
2: And, and what we need to see is when you read a, a passage like First Corinthians 13, uh, love, you know, right. there's like a check valve in there. The, these things describe what love is. But if you do these things, you may not love. Does that hmm. make sense? I could go, uh, in my family, if you're in my family, you have responsibilities. You know, wash the car, do that kind of stuff. But if you're not in my family, let's say, Jason, you came over and you washed the car, you did all that, you're still not in my family, even though you're doing those things. Why? There's a check valve there. To be in my family, you either have to be adopted or born into it. Right. It's not the work that you do that gets you in. So love is, you know, as it describes it here, some people think, well, I'm going to just go out and be patient, kind, and hopeful. And what happens is we we misdefine those words in the process. Mm -hmm. And then because I do those things, I love. No, 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 no. If you love, you do those things. Right. Does that make sense or am I clouding this thing up? No, it makes a lot
4: of sense. And I think we touched on that in in, uh, the previous shows where we talked about kindness and we talked about, you know, patience. Where Uh just because you are kind or just because you're a patient doesn't
2: necessarily mean that you're doing that out of love. So what's this hopeful thing about that? I mean, what's the definition of that?
4: That's a good question. I think it's something that we throw around a lot, and and we were talking in between the show, and I think Jeff kind of pointed out a great definition. Jeff, you want to share kind of the definition that you were throwing around there?
1: Yeah, well, we talk about hope a lot, and sometimes that word can be confusing to us. And the the definition of hope, it's expecting with confidence that which is to be obtained. We sometimes will expect, sometimes we don't always, our expectations don't line up with reality or reality doesn't line up with our expectations. To me, when we're hoping for something, it's not just this lofty idea. We're going to talk more about expectations, you know, because that's also important in the discussion about hope. But just to have an expectation with confidence, that's a big part of it, confidence. Uh, that's something that sometimes we get hung up on because I think every single one of us at some point struggles with confidence. Oh, absolutely. And I
4: think that's sometimes where we miss the true meaning of what hope is in our language because I think it's hope is something that we throw around a lot. Like I hope you know I'm going to do well on this test. I hope I'm going to get this for Christmas. It's almost like wish, isn't it? Yeah, it's almost like wish and we confuse it with that whereas hope, what we what we're seeing here is the the true definition of hope is this confident expectation. Right. And confidence means that, you know, this is going to happen. You know, it's not like, oh, this might happen. There's a chance that this is going to happen. But no, hope is really like, this is going to happen. And, and there's a difference there. So hoping for something for Christmas or hoping that this girl will like me is a lot different than a confident expectation. I think that's a key difference that we need to understand and grasp, especially as we read scripture. Because, you know, as we read in our English language, we see hope a lot. But what we really need to do when we read that is, is throw in our confident expectation. You know, yeah. there's this confidence behind it.
2: And the word hope has been used a lot. I mean, even in one of the presidential uh, elections, it was hope and change. And I don't want to get political here. I'm just, what, what I'm saying is, what happens eventually is those people whose hopes weren't realized, mm-hmm. now they're dashed. Right. You know what I mean? It's like they hoped in something, it didn't happen. And, and maybe they, they, they hoped in it and it did happen. You know, I don't know. But, but when you hope in something, that does not necessarily happen. It destroys your faith mm-hmm. in that person or in that institution. Right. So if you're hoping the government will solve all your problems and it doesn't, pretty soon you're anti-government. Right. But but that's not how the word is used. I mean, wh- what are some things you expect with confidence? If we were going to use the word hope, Jeff or or uh, Mike or somebody, if I were to use the word hope, what are some things that you would expect with confidence that would happen? You could say. Here's things that I think will really happen.
1: I usually have the assumption that tomorrow I'm going to wake up. There you go. You know,
2: so, so you could say, I hope I wake up tomorrow. But you're not saying, I probably won't or I probably will. And, and I don't know. You're saying, I expect to wake up.
1: I, I have that expectation. I mean, when I go to sleep, that's just a normal – we don't always think about it, but that's the normal expectation is going to wake up. Right.
2: This is critically important. As you read the Bible, you need to realize that, that the words are used in a very specific manner. So you need to go back and understand what they say. God tells us really there's two things we need to do well, and that's love him and love each other. If if I were Satan and I was trying to mess that up, I would try and mess up the idea of love. And and part of it is right here, because now we're being told here's what love is. This is what it looks like if you have it. Hope is really having confidence, as you said. So your confidence you'll wake up. I'm confident when I go back over to our my other office that my wife will be working in there. You know, I'm confident of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, will she for sure, etc. I believe she will be. And I'm confident she will be. You know, I am confident in certain things because there's no reason to not believe they're going to happen the way that they're said to be happening. And so then I live in that confidence. Hope is not a pipe dream or a wish. It's walking very confidently in what we know. In fact, I would say this, that there are people listening to us today that might be disappointed in life. And the reason they're disappointed is because their hopes have been dashed, which means that they had their hope in the wrong thing, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's kind of like, in one of the books I wrote, it's on, on it's on expectations, actually. And the thing that I'm working on is, I call it the misery index. Mm. For example, uh, two people get married one day, and, and before marriage, they're thinking, oh, you know, the girl's talking to me and she says, one day I'm going to get married. This guy is so perfect. You know, he never smells, you know I mean? That kind of thing. He's, he's always cheery. He, you know, all this kind of stuff. We're, nice. we're going to get married. We're going to live in a, in a house. We're we're going to have a garage and, and two you know two car garage, a dog, all that kind of stuff. So they get married and, and, and they end up can't afford in the house. So they're living above their parents. Their parents say they can't have a dog. First day the guy gets up, he reeks. You know what I mean? It's like, Man, there's a misery index here. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the problem is there's a reality that this young lady or the young man, if you turn around, did not embrace. They didn't embrace reality. So now they're blamed, Now they're saying they fall out of love or this is harder than it should be. Well, yeah, you, you had your expectation in the wrong place. So your hopes were not really in the right place. Mm-hmm. But you could use the word hope for that, but that's not how the Bible is. The, the, the Bible talks about your hope being something that you can count on and so you need to know reality if you're going to understand hope
1: when we come back i want to talk about hope as it pertains to love and how we naturally will respond when that love or that show or display of affection is not reciprocated. I think one of the things that one of our expectations is when we show love to somebody else, it will be showed back in an equal or greater amount or a greater way in our lives. And this isn't always reality. And I think that's one of the reasons that we get hung up on, you know, well, I don't apparently they don't love me, so I don't know that I can love them. We want it to be reciprocated. So we're going to talk about that more in the show. Connect with us on Twitter right now. Use the hashtag HNRTV and the conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. We're
0: connecting parents with their teens in real conversations that save lives. HopeNet Radio on Q90FM. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back
1: to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to the show. Hope is a expectation with confidence That something is going to happen, that there's going to be a perceived outcome. And so tonight on the show, maybe there's been a moment in in your life where you felt like you were giving up hope. That either life wasn't worth living for, or a relationship, or a job, or something. There was a moment in your life where you were just questioning, well man, can I even have hope anymore that this is going to turn out well for me? I think we've all been there in our lives, guys. And we were talking in the break a little bit about, I guess our young generation gets perceived that it's kind of this selfie generation. And one of the things that drives a lot of us nuts is when we text somebody or we message somebody and they don't text us back. And it, it seems really flaky. Like, really? You get bent out of shape about that? But that's, it's a reality. I mean, we message somebody, we we reach out and they don't return to us and, and sometimes that's the same way with this idea of love that when it's not reciprocated, that it's all a waste of time. What's the point of that?
3: With uh, Facebook, it's even harder, or even some with uh, messaging, because then you can tell whether the person saw it or not, and if they choose not to respond, a lot of times we take that very personal, and and then we question: okay, does this k- person care about me, or this person loves me, or you know, I'm going through something, I really need them to respond, and they haven't responded in the last 20 seconds. Um, I'm going crazy here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, that's something that, you know, when I was younger, I didn't have to worry about. But now, you know, sometimes, like, if I see something go across my screen, I'm like, I'm not opening it because I'm not <laughs> ready to answer because I'm busy. So, yeah. uh, you know, I think personally, just, you know, that conversation is, is it strikes even deeper than that into the individual. We all want to belong. We all want to be loved. Yeah. And uh, I was thinking, you know, listening to you guys talking and stuff and hope, you know, I have a hope in Jesus, and I have a desire to love God and love others, like uh, Dave was saying. Sometimes it's hard to love others. I just look at them. Their personalities click with mine. Uh, I I don't understand where they're coming from. They annoy me, whatever that might be. Mm -hmm. But the Bible tells me to love others. How do I get past that? Well, my hope in Jesus is that he's going to help me look at people through his eyes and not my eyes. And so, To me, that was just something that uh, coming out of the uh, break that just kind of God was kind of laying on my heart is, yeah, it's hard sometimes to love others, but he's called us to do that. And if we have hope in him, he's going to help us through that. And that's something that's been encouraging for me
2: mike on that god tells us to love our enemies doesn't he yeah that's a hard one so how do you do that the word love you must be able to apply to people you don't like exactly
3: wow sometimes it's even harder if those enemies are within your family so to speak not saying that they should be but those people that are closest that um their wounds are a little harder than an enemy's wound so to speak how do you continue to love them
2: does love mean just kind of tolerate everything and let them do what they're doing is that what it means
3: no i don't believe so I think it's loving them, recognizing that we do live in a sin nature. Uh, We realize that hurt people hurt people. Uh, Sometimes, you know, it's just, you know, human nature that sometimes we hurt people. And we got to sit back and just be like, okay, let's let things settle down and try to understand where the person's coming from. Maybe they didn't even mean to hurt me. Um, And that's that's a big thing that I've had to learn in my Mm -hmm. life. Because at first, my response was to get angry, get mad, and then hold a family grudge match for a long time. Uh, When in all reality, it was just a uh, misunderstanding or a miscommunication. And if I would have just sat there and listened and and said, "Okay, maybe something else is going on that I don't know about and have a conversation and say, "Okay, that's
2: why you were hurt. Hurt people hurt people sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think I I think love is looking really if we look at the definition of the Bible, it's it's wanting what's best for the other person. And really, it's obeying God, that's how it's defined, and then wanting what's best for somebody. And if I want what's best for somebody, then this list in First Corinthians 13 is, is how it shows. And and what's interesting there is you can want what's best for somebody who doesn't like you. I mean, you could want what's best for them. And that would be the right thing to do if you love them. And that's a choice that you and I actually have. And, and that's pretty incredible when you think about it. I, and it would change the world, Literally. It doesn't mean that you're tolerant of evil or or people do wrong. It means you want what's best for them. So you might stop them actually from doing that. Mm -hmm. But you do want to be in their life and you do want to have a positive part in their life. I mean, you think about the the interesting statements through the Bible. God says you need to love your enemies. And he even said at times where uh, marriages were arranged, he said husbands need to love their wives. You know, and that's an arranged marriage. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like they went and fell in love. They had to choose to be people who loved. And and that's just interesting when we start talking about what love really is.
1: Hope is really the reality or the, the situation that you're present right now isn't always going to be this way. You know, when we talk about a lot of the family dynamics, things that are going on in our families and, and we you know, the reality there's some realities that are very difficult to go through as a young person or a young adult, having a parent who is maybe an alcoholic or going through some issues with addiction and there's just this feeling, this this utter hopelessness that that's not going to change. And one thing that love is in this verse is that love, it endures. It, it has this, it's, it's almost like it doesn't make sense. It perseveres through some of these impossibilities that we have in our life. It's really the understanding that our present reality isn't always going to be that way. And that we can have hope. That's what hope is. It's, it's confident expectation, just like you said, Jason, that it, it's not going to be this way forever.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's the important thing is that when we look at the way that we have hope, I think oftentimes we base our hope on unrealistic expectations. And that's where we, where we screw up. But when we look at it from a love perspective, you know, you look over the past couple of weeks and it's almost as if the way that this verse is written they build on each other you know we talked about how love is kind love is patient love is honest you know and we've talked about over and over again where you know our first and foremost priority is to love god with all that we are and then it's to put others first so with that context then when it says that love is hopeful you know it's really having the expectation that it's all about putting others first and loving god and so when we adjust our expectations to align with those those truths all of a sudden, now we have hope that lasts, yeah. as opposed to these these false wishes that we that we misconstrue with hope. If that makes any yeah. sense.
2: But if somebody's struggling with hope, I mean, they're struggling with with the idea of assurance, and and why are they struggling?
4: Because they're 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 hoping in something that isn't confident, that isn't concrete, right. that isn't and, lasting. And I
2: would say that that maybe it's because they just really don't know God. Yeah. And I again would beg that our listeners. If you're struggling with hope, if you're struggling with confidence in God, I just don't think you know him yet. Yeah. And I would beg you to spend time with him. And, and that's by opening the Bible, uh, going to Hopenet360.com and, and talking to a live coach and, and, and telling him what you're thinking. But there's no substitute for going into the Bible, opening it up, and, and getting to know who God is. There's no way you can have confidence in God if you just hear people talk about him. You need to know him. And once you know him, the byproduct of that is obedience, because you know him, and, and hope. Uh, I tell the kids I work with every week, you know, God is older than you and smarter than you and loves you. You can trust him. And that's the essence of hope right there. You, you've got somebody that's been around forever that created the universe that loves you and created you. You can actually trust God. And for those that are struggling with that today, you need to understand uh, the struggle's real. We understand that. Mm-hmm. But, but the reason you're struggling is because you really do not know who he is. And, and I invite you, please make the effort to get to know who he is. Uh, God loves you enough to send his son Jesus to this earth to pay for, for our sins so that we could be in his family, so that he could be our father, so that he could, could take care of us. Uh, and you think about that adoption analogy, but God wants to take care of us the rest of our lives. And he is the one that can do it. The hope now is no longer, I I hope he takes care of me like English. It's (laughs) I am confident that he will no matter what. And and I think the next segment, uh, Jeff, there's a story we can talk about where a mom had hope. And we can really uh, kind of play this one out a little bit.
1: Yeah, hope. When we put our hope in God, what can we expect? I want to talk about this story when we come back here on the show. Uh, there's, There's this incredible story that I found a few weeks back, and it was about this mother and her son. There were three boys that fell through the ice on a body of water, and it was in the St. Louis area. This young man was underwater for about 15 minutes and got to the hospital according to the doctor he was dead for 45 minutes and there was a very very poor chance of survival anyone knows that when you're underwater for any amount of time without oxygen that doesn't do anything good for your brain typically it's got a, a fantastic ending when we come back here on the show remember you can connect with us on the tweet back use the hashtag hnrtb the conversation will continue in the second half of hope net radio
0: feel like nobody cares we do. Hopenet360.com has an online crisis chat line powered by Groundwire. A live coach is available to talk right now at Hopenet360.com. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at Hopenet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio,
1: Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to the second half of HopeNet Radio. So glad that you've joined us here on the show. And if you missed any part of the first half of the show, you can go back on iTunes, on TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio. We podcast every single episode. And we hope that every week you share it with your friends. I got to say thank you guys so much for those who listen to the podcast, who've shared it. This last month, we've seen, again, incredible growth. Over the podcast, and so you guys listening and sharing it, these are conversations, they're million dollar conversations. And so many times in our life, we don't have the opportunity to have such open, honest, real conversations. I don't know why that is, but we get so busy in today's world that we miss out on some of these important issues. And tonight, we're talking about hope in our Love Is series. Love is hopeful. And we're looking at 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7, talking about how love is hopeful and it endures through every single situation. And we closed out the first half talking about this article of this mother. It, it Really, the end of this story is incredible. And I'm just going to touch on it briefly in case you missed the first part of it. Uh, but January 19th was when this story came out, and it was a young man who fell through the ice. He fell through with two other uh, 14-year-old boys. And he was taken to the hospital, he was unconscious, he was uh, medically dead for 45 minutes, the doctor reports there, with a very poor chance of survival. The story finishes out where the mom comes into this hospital room, uh, knowing that her son has very little life left to him, if anything. And she begins praying, and she's praying, and, and the article reads, and we'll, we'll post in our show notes, says, I remember, holy God, please send your Holy Spirit to save my son. All of a sudden, I heard them saying, we got a pulse, we got a pulse. And today the young man's brain function is normal. He's at home walking and talking like any other teenager. He does have some need for physical therapy, but you know it's not for the things that you would think. And so in this mom's world, when you talk about hope against all hope, this is what that mom had. She had just the unction just to pray and to put it put her trust, put her confident hope in the one who could sustain it in God. And it's incredible. This doesn't always happen, guys. And I, th- I know it's such a difficult topic to talk about because there are times where people have prayed and asked God, you know, God, save my son, save my mom, save my grandma, save my uncle, save my friend. And it doesn't happen that way. But this is just one of those stories where it's truly, it was truly a miracle. There's no other explanation for it. And so miracles happen today. And I think when we talk about hope, we talk about confident expectation this was one of those confident expectation moments that probably shouldn't have happened, according to science, anyway.
2: Yeah. What What did the doctor say was the reason the heart started beating again in his report?
1: Yeah. Well, he wrote a note, and thanks for bringing that up. It, it, he wrote that his heart was jump started by the Holy Spirit, listening to the request of his praying mother. This is a, it's a direct quote from him. Yeah. That's and weird. another doctor had noted that it's a bona fide miracle.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Uh, when you look in the Bible, you see someone like uh, this story in John chapter 11 of, of Jesus and Lazarus, and um, Lazarus was a friend of Jesus's, and he got sick, and he, and Jesus was told about it, and he didn't come. Jesus knew he was going to die, and he died. Jesus let him die, and and the people basically were going through some some grief, and when Jesus showed up, this is my own version of the story. You can go to John 11 and read it. They They were saying, why didn't you come earlier, man? You could have stopped this. You know, I think Jesus was saying this, you know. You have your hope in this life and what can be done in this life. Your hope needs to be in a God who, who life, death, nothing is a challenge to him. And I needed to show this to you. And what's interesting is we're not sure why Jesus wept there. He saw their sorrow and all that kind of thing. I don't know if I'm Lazarus and God's yanking me back to this earth. I'm not sure if I'm overly happy about that. But Lazarus eventually, after being dead, what was it, four days or whatever in that story, he walked out of that grave. And, and what's interesting is that Jesus was once again saying, you know, your, your hope isn't really in things that even can keep people alive. Your, your hope isn't me. I am the one in charge of all things. And by the way, that's a good thing because I love you. And I love you in the term that I only want what's best for you. And when we begin to understand that and we put our hope where it belongs, it's incredible. The truth of the matter is, Jeff, and I, and I think you alluded to this at the end, there was there are people that have been prayed for and they did not live. Your hope doesn't change at mm-hmm. that point. It's not, I'm hoping that my son lives, although you would be wishing that. Mm-hmm. But your hope is in God, and God will do its right. And all of us know right now that every human that walks the planet will one day not be here anymore as a human on this, on this planet. Mm-hmm. So our hope has to be in something other than people. It has to mean something other than money. Our confidence needs to be in God who does not change. Even uh, we talked earlier about loving your enemies. Remember when Jesus was on the cross and he looked at those who put him there? That There is a demonstration of love. He looked at him and, and, and he was thinking about them. He said, you know, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. In other words, you know, if they really knew I was God and they really understood I was Jesus, they wouldn't have me here, but they don't get it. He was still concerned about them in the middle of getting crucified. Now, now he's the one you could put hope in.
1: Yeah, you know, there's another article, too, that I had found recently, and we'll also share this in the show notes at HopeNet360.com. But one of the ways that love endures and that hope is one of those things that carries us through difficult circumstances is when people rise up against us who do not like us, who do not love us. And we're supposed to love those people. An article out of North Carolina talks about Fire Church's pastor, uh, Dr. Michael Brown. He's a leading conservative commentator, and there was an organized protest over at Fire Church. According to the group's organizers, uh, they wanted to protest and basically show this church that they were going to stand together. They were going to their, their quote says uh, they wanted to show them, show this church that they can't come into the community and intimidate us, speaking out against gay issues, gay and lesbian, all these different issues in our culture. Pastor Brown was out of the country. He wrote on on his blog, He said, uh, specifically on behalf of Fire Church, I want to extend you the warmest welcome and let you know that we're thrilled that you are here with us on Sunday and that their church has been praying for them a long time. This is kind of one of those unnatural responses to it. Uh, the story, it's an incredible story. It talks about how there was another pastor, uh, Scott Volk. Um, who also commented and said that you're more than welcome to even come over to my house for a meal. We can talk about things openly and honestly and talk about our differences, talk about ways that we do see things the same. So sometimes these are those moments where we get a chance to show people love. But naturally, our first response is not to show people grace or to love them, especially when they show that they do not love us, that they're actually against us. And, And we talked about this, you know, how we're supposed to love our enemies. Today, there are so many ways that people, We'll consider them enemies because we share different views, we share different opinions, we share different values. How do we love those people the way that Paul talks about in First Corinthians thirteen? I think this is just an, one incredible way of it.
2: I, I think we have to understand again. We get st- some stuff mixed up. We really believe that if we disagree with somebody, we must hate them. I mean, look what they did to Stephen. They disagreed with them. They didn't like her he was saying, so they kill him. Yeah. They disagree with Jesus, they kill him. And, and we as people do that when we disagree with someone, we think they hate us and they don't like us. Well, the truth of the matter is they disagree with us on something. And, and it's not that um, this church or this pastor would be saying that I am tolerant of this. I think you should live that way. I bet you he didn't say that. What he did say was, you know, you're sinful people living in a sinful world just like I am. And, and I believe God's clear on this. And I think you need to understand it. And, and we want to be able to love you and show you that, that that's the way it is. He was not um, condoning homosexual lifestyle. I, I'm sure he wasn't condoning uh, homosexual marriage. Uh, but but he, what he was doing is reaching out and saying, you know, I, I think that you're wrong on this one. I believe God has a plan, and I think you're not in it. And w- if we care about you at all, we're going to let you know that because you can't be okay if you're not in it. I have met with several, personally, I have met with several young men who um, have confided in me that, that they are homosexual in their thinkings and in their leanings. And, you know, it's funny. You guys have heard me. I'm probably the most conservative guy you ever met in your life but they're sitting talking to me about it. Hmm. And, and I've never yet thrown them out of my office or, or, or said, I don't want to talk to you anymore. In fact, it's the other way. I say, well, let's talk about it. By the end, they're going, you know what? You know, I was fearful to tell you, but I'm so glad I did because I want to work through this. That to me is a demonstration of love. It's, I've never said, this is okay. Hmm. It's okay for you to live that way. It's okay for you to be that way. I've never said that. I've said, well, tell me about it and let's talk about what God says and let me help you understand uh, how it should be. And, and in that process, I have some very fine young men that are good friends of mine that are still uh, struggling with it and working through it, but we're going somewhere with it. And, and we're able to do it in a loving relationship where I'm not tolerating, but I am helping.
1: Yeah. And one of the things about loving people, when we love other people, we can have that confident hope, that confident expectation that we can have these open, genuine conversations. They're going to be mutually uplifting conversations. And that's what this show is all about. That's why we have live coaches available. If tonight is a difficult night for you or something's going on in your world and you're just not sure how to navigate it, live coaches are available right now. One will talk with you right now at HopeNet360.com. The conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. If
0: you're going through something tonight, a live coach is waiting to talk to you at Hopenet360.com. This is Hopenet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave.
1: Welcome back to the show. Jeff, Jason, DW, Mike here with you guys having a great conversation about hope and what love is. So connect with us on the tweet back Where do you find that in your life it's easy to give up hope? And so we're chatting a little bit about that. Some of the other conversations we've had, we shared a couple of articles and we'll post those in the show notes and on Twitter as well as we go through. I'm just, I'm interested in your thoughts too. Those, the times where people rise up against us and we feel like, you know, the world is collapsing around us. Those who we trusted have turned their backs on us. You know, we feel like we can't love anymore, that it's, it's incredibly difficult, if not impossible, to love those people, especially those who are closest to us. I don't know if you've been in those situations where I've felt that incredible uh, weariness or hopelessness around a relationship. I'm sure there have been some, and a lot of us go through those times in our life. Some who are listening are probably going through those same circumstances
3: today. Uh, one of the examples that I've been working through lately is uh, looking at Jesus in the Gospels and looking at Jesus' life. And uh, one of the things that blows my mind is he spent um, a few years with 12 disciples. And he loved them, he poured into them, he fed them, uh, he taught them, he shared life with He loved them. Uh, when you look at uh, John chapter 13, uh, he sits down and he starts washing the disciples' feet. He washes all 12 of them. Uh, he sits down with a meal and... Uh, you know, he eats with all 12 of them. And then they had this conversation and he says, one of you will betray me. And he knew all along which one it would be. He knew it was going to be Judas. But yet he washed Judas's feet. Yet he did life with him for so many years. And he ate with Judas. In fact, you know, uh, when he said that, he even talked to Judas and said, what you're about to do, go do it quickly. Like to me, if I was in Jesus' shoes and invested some, you know, a couple years into someone's life, I knew they were going to betray me, would I still wash their feet? Would I still eat with them? And for me, if Jesus can love Judas, then through Jesus, I can also love those that are around me. And that's been an example for me um, as a Christian, as a believer, is to look at Jesus' life. And if Jesus can love somebody that did so much worse, then I can love other people as well.
1: That is so profound. I mean, those moments where, probably for Jesus too, I don't think he ever doubted why he was doing it. I think he just, he always wanted to show us the example there. I think there are so many guys today in this generation of young Christians who go through a lot of their walk and their life just on the brink of not only insecurity, but just doubt and despair. And uh, there are many guys and some would be brave enough to admit it that, yeah, we struggle a lot with insecurity of feeling adequate a lot of times. And I think insecurity in itself is one of the enemies of hope that it it almost goes contradictory that it's, it's sometimes hard to keep hope when things aren't panning out the way we thought they would, when uh, our expectations aren't met. And we've talked about this more, you know, earlier in the program. So if you miss that, go back and check it out. But it's so important that we get our expectations, right? Because Otherwise, we're, we're going to get in those times of doubt and despair. And I'm not saying that as a Christian, you should never doubt or that you should never struggle with insecurity or feeling useless or worthless. But when our hope is really in something that is secure, is, that is strong enough to put our hope in, that can hold up through any situation in our life. And, and uh, one of the guys that is so inspiring to me is this guy by the name of Nick Wojcic. He has this blog called Life Without Limbs, and he goes and speaks around the world. And he's a guy who was born with no arms and no legs. And you think of a guy who couldn't feel more useless in life that you'd almost wonder, well, why in the world would God create something like that? Really, in those words, something like this, that you're not even you're almost not even a person that you feel completely useless. And yet God has plans for every single person. He doesn't waste anything. Mm-hmm. And it's incredible when we put our trust and our hope in Christ that he can do great things. Now Nick has a son. They have a beautiful child. He has a beautiful family. And you wouldn't think growing up that that could ever be possible. And there are some that tonight you're probably thinking, yeah, I'm in the middle of a situation. Where I've been through those places where I was not sure. I was doubting myself. I was doubting my ability to do those things, to be able to love in spite of situations and circumstances that are out of my control uh, a good friend of mine one of my family uh, relatives just lost a friend just lost a child very young to a, a disease essentially that took his life and and this young boy passed away at such a young age and they had just adopted him not that long before and you think as a parent you're thinking when you wake up if you're a parent you're thinking man my kids are going to be right there they're going to be with me that my wife or my husband is going to be right there with me they're going to love me and appreciate me and value me and And there are just days where you wake up and your reality is not that. And that can be so incredibly hard to have hope in those moments because you think, man, my expectations for life were here. They were, you know, my child is going to be growing up and and profitable and they're going to get married and, and have children. And you're in that place today where it's like, this is so painful to think about that. Yeah. And to, to have hope through those and enduring through every circumstance, that's that's impossible. I don't understand that.
2: There's been many times in my life where I have felt what, what we used to call it in football is piled on. It's one thing to tackle a guy. It's another thing to have uh, 10 or 11 other guys on the opposition piling on top of you besides that. And, and sometimes life feels like you're getting piled on. And what I did, actually, that was very helpful, was I, I went back through the Bible. And as I went through it, I started to ask, what does... What did like, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego know that caused them to be able to go against the king? What did Daniel know? What did Noah know? The most important question is, you know, as I looked at Jesus' life, nothing phased Jesus, not the cross, not beatings, not, nothing phased him. And I thought, what did he know? And it struck me, he knew everything. I mean, he knew everything perfectly. And and so what I did then is I dedicated really myself to trying to know what Jesus knew, and and what he knows he knows who who God is he knows the purpose of life he knows, and and I would suggest that our listeners that are listening that are that are quietly suffering, feeling piled on, feeling like maybe there is no hope for them in the future, in the sense of of really being able to make it. I would love for them again to go back and make knowing God and what Jesus knew about God make it a priority for them to learn that. Because if you knew what Jesus knew, you would act like Jesus act. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's the way it is. And, and, and if you're not acting like Jesus acted, I think you don't know what he knew. So you need to go figure out what he knew. And that's possible as you get into the Bible or going to hopenet360.com and talking to a live coach and helping you know asking them to help you get there. But you, you
4: need to spend time getting to know him. I think that's the, the important part, you know, is realizing that at the end of the day, what are we actually putting our hope in? You know, I think oftentimes we, we try to put hope in, in circumstances or situations, but when everything is stripped away, you know, and it's just us and God, are we really trusting and putting our hope in God? You know, because then we can, we can persevere through the tough times because the reality is, is that there will be difficult times. Things will happen in our lives that we're not going to be excited about, that, that we will cry over, that we will be upset over. But it's knowing that God is constant, And that he works through all things, even if we don't understand it at the time, so that we can fall more in love with him. And that's the hope then that gets us through those situations. That's the hope that allows us to have that confident expectation. Because apart from that, we're going to be let down. We're going to be, you know, people are going to fail us because they're not perfect. Whereas when we have our hope in the one who is perfect, the one who loves us, and the one who has the the best plan for our
3: lives that's when we can have that confident expectation. Personally, I think, too, is the more that you love God and you, He helps you love others. And there's been many times in my life that this has been an example, and there's many times I've encouraged other people in their life, there comes a point where you're like, you don't understand this person did this to me or this person did that to me. You don't understand, I can't love them. And God, in my life, and He'll do it in your life if you're a believer— He'll ask that question, do I love him? Mm. And the easy answer is, yes, I know you love him. The second question is, did my son die for him? Like, yeah, God, you know that I know that. I feel like God tells me a lot of times, don't try to change the person. Love the person. Pray for the person. Mm. Talk to me about it and let me change the person. And uh, that's been something that's hard for me because sometimes I want to change the person. We're guys. We like to change things. But Mm. sometimes it's just love the person and talk to God about it, mm-hmm. uh, you, you're only responsible for yourself at the end of the day. You can't make the other person love you. You can't make the other person stop hurting you. You can't make the other person do anything. Mm-hmm. Only God can get into his heart and change his heart or her heart.
1: We're going to wrap up the show when we come back here on HopeNet Radio. Remember, you can connect to us on the tweet back. We're hanging out. Use the hashtag HNRTB. Love to know your thoughts here on the show, and we'll be back here on HopeNet Radio.
0: Love HopeNet Radio? Stay in contact all week long at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR.
1: Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. We're talking about hope tonight here on HopeNet Radio. It's so going to be hanging out with you guys tonight. And so as we're closing up this conversation, guys, I'm, I'm wondering what your final thoughts are. If we're going to have hope, and it's going to be the expectation with confidence how can we have hope in this world when we're surrounded by difficulties and impossibilities? I
4: think I think sometimes one of the biggest things you can do to start really uh, embracing hope is allowing God to penetrate the darkest parts of, of who you are. In other words, you know, a lot of us hold on to things without talking about them. You know, we think that we're the only ones that suffer from X, Y, or Z, and I think the the first what thing that we can do in order to really embrace hope is, is to, is to open up and to share that with, you know, people that, that we know care about us, you know, and we've talked about that before in the show, whether you have somebody in your life, whether you need to call in and talk to somebody on HopeNet. um, It's really important that you're, that you're willing to allow God to, to, to work in your life because that's the first step to then realize that he is the one that is, that is confident that he is the one that is not going to change and that's the first step that we can start by putting our hope in that because if we just rely on ourselves and our own willpower and, and just the things around us, that's where our hopes are going to fail um, because they're not consistent. If you're out there tonight and you're just really struggling with something and, you, and you've been dying to talk to somebody, I really encourage you to, to talk to a live coach or even to maybe talk to a youth pastor or a close friend because the healing that comes when you allow those things to come out is amazing and then you can realize, all right, now I have hope in God, who's unchanging.
2: I think what Jason's talking about is you, you can go to Hopenet360.com and talk to a life coach there, and, and we'd love to be able to do that. And, and as you were talking, Jason, I was thinking, you know, the, the thing that I really think we need to do is understand what does not change and cling to that. Mm-hmm. And if I look at my life, oh, my goodness, you know, people change, circumstances change, money changes, jobs change, my health changes. Yeah. But there is something that doesn't change. There's a constant in the universe, and that's God. I keep going back to it because I don't know any other way to do it to give people hope. I need to know who he is. I need to spend time with him. And in that, I will begin to have real confidence in life and in death, in significance and security. I will have real confidence in that if it can be based on something that does not change. But there's very little that does not change. It's only God. And so I need to spend time getting to know who this God is. And once again, I invite our listeners to do that. Open the Bible, get a Bible, go to hopenet360.com, talk to a live coach. Very important that you take the effort. God says that if you seek me, you'll find me. And so those that that think God is distant, he probably is, Mm -hmm. but it's probably because you have not looked for him because he's very constant in that. And he means what he says. If you actually want to know who he is, I encourage you, get a Bible, go talk online, Begin a process where you're honestly seeking him. And when you do, you'll find him. And when you find him, you will know that your hope is not just a dream anymore, but it's something that's reality and something you can bank on. And that's what I would want to leave our listeners with tonight.
3: I'll expand from a little bit of my conversation from last segment. I talked about, you know, just looking at Jesus and how he loved people and i shared a little bit about judas well let me go a little farther into chapter 13 of john and how jesus washed the feet of all the disciples including that of a very close individual called peter peter was one of jesus inner circles he was one of the three that went and did everything uh he was a close what we would consider a close friend a close follower And Jesus looked him in the face and said, you're going to deny me three times. For us as individuals, man, if somebody were to reject knowing us as a friend or reject us as a family member or just give us rejection um, and say, we don't know them. We don't want to associate with them. uh, We don't love them. We're not part of them. That would really hurt us. And for me, you know, we talked about the enemies and the friends thing. Yeah, we could probably look at Judas more as an enemy and look at Peter as a friend. Jesus loved both of them. And for me, it's kind of just, you know, if you just want to open up the Bible, I'd I'd encourage you to start in John 13, continue even reading up to that of the cross. But especially chapter 13, as Jesus just poured into his disciples, he loved Judas, Mm -hmm. he loved Peter, despite what they ended up doing to them, you know, and as you continue to read through that passage. And for me to love people, love enemies, to love friends that hurt me, let's be honest, family probably, they cut us the deepest. Those wounds hurt more than an enemy. Those wounds hurt more than even a friend. Family, you know, sometimes does that. For us to continue to love those people, let us look at Jesus and then ask him. He knows what it feels like. He knows exactly what the pain of rejection uh, feels like or for somebody to deny him. He'll help you through those times. Talk to other Christians around you. Talk to a life coach. Uh, you know, those people will walk you through those things and uh, continue to just love God and love others.
1: It's so important to reach out for conversation. You know, I would just encourage you if you say that you love God, if, you, if you're if you someone who's in God's family and you know that for certain you made that decision, then we should have everything we need to love other people. And it can be extremely hard. Don't get me wrong. It can be Very hard. Some days where you go to a job where you work around people that are really borderline insane themselves. They're so hard to love. They're so hard to appreciate and to actually walk away feeling like, yeah, I I just spent my day doing something that I really love to do. Working around people that I absolutely loved. Because we don't always feel that. We don't always feel that way. We don't. We don't always wake up on the right side of the bed, if you will. Um, But you know what? This idea of hope and this really this heart of love. um, This is an attitude. It's a set attitude. We talked about attitude during our Thanks Living series, and one of the things that I've discovered more about my life is that it's not so much that I wake up feeling in love or that I wake up feeling like I can love other people. It's that I choose to do that. I have to have the attitude, which is a set way of thinking. And when we allow God to change our minds and change our heart and who we are, that's really how we can love people the way that God loves people. We can't love people the way that God loves them. Even with the spirit, sometimes there are moments where we don't we don't act in love, and you know what? God loves us with an unconditional love. He'll correct us. He'll make changes. He'll he'll sometimes delay the results that we want. Uh, sometimes they don't even pan out the way we expect them to. But you know what? You can still trust God. You can take him at his word because God is a God who doesn't lie, and His word is true. And if we trust in Him, we're we're putting our anchor in something that is strong enough to support us. And I think of people who do rock climbing, who do stuff like that, where you're basically you're putting your trust in that, that anchor, that, that thing that you're using to climb, your support system. And so if you were to fall or lose your grip, it's going to hold on to you. And the same is so true for God, that we can put our trust in him and have confidence that when we slip up, when we make a mistake, when we don't grab onto something that's solid, that God will sustain us. God will give us that hope, that anchor that will spare our lives, will save our life. And you know what, there's there's so much more of this conversation we can have tonight. I encourage you to go check out the show notes on this show because there's some good links in there for you to check out and to find some more stories of ways where people, against all odds, they had hope and this hope persevered through difficult situations and circumstances. I do also echo those that want to chat with the live coach. If you're looking for someone that you can talk to about anything in life, literally anything that's going on in your world that you struggle with, that you're going through, it's a no-judgment place where you can go and talk to a live coach. Just encourage you to do that tonight. Catch the podcast. We are on iTunes, on TuneIn Radio, and the Stitcher Radio app. We have a feed. You can go to our website, HopeNet360.com and plug it into your favorite reader or your favorite podcasting app and subscribe to the podcast. Share this with your friends because there are so many people today who are looking for hope and a hope that's beyond what this world offers. So thanks so much for joining in on the conversation with us tonight. We're going to be on Twitter hanging out. Use the hashtag HNRTB. Anytime, leave your thoughts, leave your ideas, and maybe some topical ideas. We'd love to hear from you tonight. So for all of us here on the show, thanks for joining us. We'll see you guys online in next week. Bye. Later.